0: American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm going to jump right in here. I've got a lot of audio to play, uh, just a couple of things to read, and then a few uh, few insights on some things as well, as one might expect. So first, this audio comes from a school board meeting um, in Carmel, Indiana. So this is Carmel Clay school board meeting from a few days ago. And the entire school board meeting was interesting, or at least the the section where the parents are walking up to the lectern and, and leaning into the school board. The vast majority of them are reading from a series of books that the school board has adopted and are now mainstream in all of the libraries, not just within this school district, but as it turns out, countless school districts. And almost every single one of these perverse books, again, is pushing the transgenderism stuff, the sex play stuff, you name it. And, of course, they exist also in elementary school libraries as well. So, quick history lesson here. The book-burning business is one of those historic things that's consistently lied about. Now, again, I'm not defending Adolf Hitler or any of that. That's not what I'm doing. But what I am saying is that the book-burning thing is one of those things that's lied about on a constant basis. So the facts about the book burning are actually very straightforward. Again, history has a, has a horrible uh, reputation of taking something that's actually pretty simple and then twisting it and making it sound like it was awful. Um, the book burning that was taking place during that time only was allowed to take place for one day. That's it. One day. And as it turned out, the vast majority of the books that were burned, and you couldn't burn Bibles, by the way, that was not allowed, uh, and people didn't burn Bibles, what they were burning were the books like this. They were burning the books that school boards like this are allowing to show up in their libraries that parents don't want. So if you were to actually explain that to parents and say, hey parents, you're morally sound people, you're ethically sound people, would you like to enter these libraries Go through the libraries and burn the books that have to do with sex play among elementary school pl- uh, students, uh, transgenderism, uh, same-sex marriage, parents. What you know, wh- whatever it may be, normalizing. You know, a number of perversions. Are are, are these the kinds of things that? you would be interested in removing from your child's library at school, the vast majority of parents would say, yes, do we have that opportunity? Where do I sign up? Do I need to sign up or can I just go in? The vast majority probably would. Because again, if the vast majority knew that this kind of thing was happening within their school libraries, um, they, they would have no tolerance for it. And these parents in this school board meeting have no tolerance for it. So again, I'm just going to play the last section of it. I'm not going to play the entire 20, 20 plus minutes. But this one last parent just goes off on the board on the board members for a variety of reasons, and it's certainly worth listening to. And it's it's passion filled, and I enjoy all that. So uh, here we go.
1: Carmel Clay School's leadership has proclaimed victory over the last school year, as seen through several recent school board approvals. CCS administrators, not teachers, will receive a 4.5% salary increase this school year and again next school year. Two, a COVID stipend was given to most if not all CCS employees and several non-employees with a price tag of millions of dollars. Today they are voting on the superintendent's new five-year contract with a nice increase in loads of benefits Did they not learn with the last superintendent and his five-year contract? How did that, how much did that cost taxpayers? As parents in the community, how do we know if CCS leadership is actually performing? Fortunately, through ILEARN testing administered by the state, student academic proficiency and district performance is measured and published. Looking at the cumulative results provides visibility into the effectiveness of teaching state academic standards. For the sake of time, I will only address Carmel's English and Math scores, grades 3 through 8, the results are literally a failure at 56.2% student proficiency in F by Carmel grading standards. Comparatively speaking, 2019 results were only slightly better at at 66.7% proficiency, a D by Carmel grading standards. Overall, ILEARN performance for CCS was unacceptable in all categories. I encourage everyone to visit the IDOE website to look for the comprehensive results. ILEARN results for many Indiana schools were poor, but COVID and the off year is no excuse. Carmel has every resource available to support our children's academic achievement. Therefore, based on the data from 2019 and 2021, we can determine that curriculum and instruction do not align with our children's needs to achieve Indiana's academic standards. CCS leadership is failing our children. The following action steps must be taken immediately. The first, CCS guiding principle must be academic excellence, period. Your job is to educate. <laughs> to our teachers and promote programs that foster parent-teacher relationships, including in-person meetings, transparency with curriculum, and parent volunteers back in schools.
2: Wow. We
1: for the immediate resignation or termination of our assistant superintendent of curriculum. She has failed our students and must be held accountable. The board and the superintendent are on notice. You have lost sight of your responsibilities to educate our children. Parents are learning
0: watching and taking action. There are a number of interesting uh, perspectives or or points to make here regarding that one small clip. First of all, did you hear the gasping from the the crowd and, and, and the parents and citizens in the crowd when the woman said, these are the grades that our school has received based on the state grading system? I mean, they all went, oh, no, what, huh, incredible, I mean, they had no idea, they had no idea. Sometimes they wait for a local newspaper to publish the results, and then, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just awful. It's the same rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat thing that happens every single year, sometime during the summer again you have to keep in mind that all the state standardized stuff for the most part has been pushed back in many states because of all this fiasco this purposeful deception and uh the pandemic so to speak but in the past they would usually be published sometime during the mid to end of summer and then they'd find their way into the local newspaper and then again, they'd be shared at uh, professional development meetings at the beginning of, of school years among teachers as to how they graded uh, you know, th- their school based on their state standardized performance among their students. Not a new thing. It's not a new thing. But anybody can get on the state Department of Education website and, and, and check this information out if it's available, which again, legally they have to make it available but do they manipulate it? Well, yeah, of course. It gets manipulated all of the time, even at the local level. But the point is, is that countless people don't even know that. So what, what makes them think they're going to know about a perverse book that exists in a library that's being pushed on all of the students within that school? You see, that, that's, it, it, it's a different level of deception and unknowing that's taking place that is really problematic, and of course has led us to where we are now. The other thing that I think is interesting is that you cannot necessarily expect tyrannical individuals to stop being tyrants. And you can't keep shouting at them, you know, time and time again at school board meetings and expect them to change. If they were going to change, they would have already done it. If they were going to be ethical, they would prove it with their actions. But school boards, by and large, don't operate this way. They are closed systems, and they know that because they can be. I mean, think of what they did throughout this entire time. They used the mask and the distancing to keep themselves insulated from parents. They used the masks and the distancing and the pandemic and the fake nonsense to insulate themselves. ...from having to explain where the money is going. And they're pocketing the money. They're keeping it. They're giving their teachers pay raises. They're giving themselves pay raises. Um, they're buying new cell phones. They're paying for each other's automobiles. This is all happening with your tax dollars. And it has been. It, it's been happening long before 2019. And we can't kid ourselves about that. That's That's common practice among school boards... What we can't do ever is expect them to change or all of the sudden see the light, so to speak. They aren't going to. They're just not going to. They have to fall one of a few ways. You have to run against them if you still want to maintain a school district. You have to run against them. You have to run against these school board members. You have to then win... You have to then fire the superintendent immediately. That needs to be your first course of action, regardless of what school district you're in. And then you have to go through that district office and start firing countless people. And you just do it. You just fire them. You give them a performance grade. You, you create some paperwork against them, and you cut them loose. One of the worst people that exists in district offices are curriculum directors. They are horrible. They're mindless people, too, I might add. Very mindless. I've worked with and around and watched and listened to a number of them. Just in the nine years when I was a public school teacher, they are some of the most gullible and yet full of themselves human beings that I have ever met. It, ter- it certainly takes a personality trait in order to hold such a position. Because they get paid a great deal of money for doing a great deal of nothing. And theoretically, and it's not even a theory; it's it's a fact. They just do what they're told from the state level. State level tells them at the county level, we need you to roll out this curriculum program. The state's approved this, so now we're going to do it. So you need to go and you need to tell all the teachers that you're responsible for that you move curriculum to, that uh, that they need to roll this out and that they you know that they need to do this, and they do it. They're order takers they just take orders and they do what they do what they're supposed to do it's really a useless position if you think about it because it's the teacher who should be responsible for the curriculum it's the teacher who should be responsible for finding factual information and bringing that to the to the forefront of students the problem is is that it's curriculum directors that are selecting these textbooks that are filled with propaganda they're the problem and it's the curriculum directors that are the ones who make the decisions about the textbooks before the teachers even get to look at them. And I've said this before in in past episodes at least six to nine months ago, probably toward the beginning of this podcast airing back in October of 2020. But by the time, like, for example, when um, textbook selection takes place, the districts already made the decision as to what textbook is going to be implemented, because usually they're told which textbook is going to be implemented. And then what do they do? They have this they have these fake meetings and I've participated in these where they where they bring in teachers of that particular subject. They put five textbooks in front of them and they have the teachers look through them and read through them and make decisions about it all while at the same time the curriculum director is standing there and subliminally and sort of, you know, under under the rug so to speak, just kind of pushing one or two books in particular. To sort of narrow down the choice as to which ones they want, and then ultimately the decision doesn't lie with the teacher. It lies with the curriculum director. It's the illusion of choice that's that's how I referred to it in the past. It really is the illusion of independence. it's the illusion of choice. You're not really making a choice. Um, you know it's the illusion of of responsibility or control over over what is what is, what a student learns. Or what they're being exposed to. The decision has already been made when it comes to books like that. So there you have it. That's again why parents are usually the last to figure it out. And teachers are usually the last to figure it out too. But unfortunately it becomes a very messy situation. When teachers themselves are the ones putting these perverse books in the school building. And usually with the assistance of uh, school administrators and other individuals. And it's, it's absolutely horrible. So... There's that piece of audio. Regarding school boards, though, this is also interesting, and this is a post on Great Awakening that I wanted to read because I did provide a response to this individual when they were talking about running for their local school board, and they said this. The title of it was, Thinking Very Seriously About Running for School Board for the Good of the Kids. All right. So it says this. It says, I'm seriously considering running for school board here in my local community in North Carolina because I do believe in public education that serves all the kids who deserve a second-to-none education. It is our future. Frankly, I really do not know much about how a school board is actually ran. I have a vision, but doing the actual job is something I lack knowledge in. I would like to set up an exploratory committee or something to flesh out if it is for me or not. I'm looking for advice. I'm looking for someone who knows the ins and outs of being on a school board or someone, anyone, who knows how it actually operates. How it operates per the county commission and per any state mandates, regulations, laws, etc. Where do I start? Any help would be nice. My platform is no CRT, no outcome-based results, no LGBTQIA2 plus P, no Common Core. I want to support teachers and parents. I want a good, solid curriculum that actually produces results. I love kids because I love my daughter who also attends public school. Anyone want to give some advice or pointers? Unquote. Okay, so it had a number of different comments and a number of different uh upvotes uh, uh, yeah a number of upvotes which was which was great and again it's a solid question and there's clearly some passion there and there's concern and all of that is valid there's no doubt about it the two cents that i provided this individual was pretty straightforward i said first of all you've got to learn the word no and you have to say it all of the time You have to say the word no all of the time. The state says, we would like you to try this. No. Someone from the outside comes in. uh, Even a city council member from your local town or city comes in and says, what are you doing with this? We would like to participate. The answer has to be no. You have to say no consistently. You have to say no to all of the outside influences. You have to say no to all of the outsourcing that takes place regarding education. You have to take this closed system that I just referenced in the negative earlier, and you have to turn that closed system into a closed system that is for the positive. Surrounding yourself with, again, parent participation, which has got to be there, but this business of having student participation is also a mistake. You don't want to bring in students and be like, hey, what do you want to learn? Because that's what socialists do, and that doesn't work out. You have to know what information to bring to the forefront all of the time. The problem that I that, that I mentioned in my response with them too is, is I said, you're talking about brainwashed teachers who have been brainwashed for a lifetime. The ones who usually aren't brainwashed are the ones who don't work in the system anymore. They're the ones that have removed themselves from the system. They're gone. And in leaving, they turn around and they look backwards at where they were teaching and what was being taught and what they were even teaching and what was being learned and XYZ, and they say to themselves, the vast majority of them, myself included, holy shit, what were we doing? What were we doing? I can't believe I taught that. That wasn't true. That wasn't real. That was propaganda. And it's in the textbooks, in particular in science and history books. Yes, you're still going to find it in math books, and you're going to find it in language arts and and, and reading texts as well. Now, here's where that ended up happening. There was a little thing back in, oh, I want to say the early 2000s, Uh, around the turn of the century that was called cross-curriculum. And this was where they started to get teachers like math teachers and science teachers to start integrating other subjects within their own subject. And this happened at the textbook level also. So you would open up a math textbook and you'd start seeing stuff, and it's all fake, about Earth being a spinning ball, how many times does it rotate around the sun, blah, 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 blah. It's a way to take propaganda, which is satanic propaganda, and then switch it into a math problem so that the child gets it twofold, not just from a science teacher, but now they're getting it from a science teacher and a math teacher. See, that's the effectiveness of propaganda. It has to be repetitive. And it has to come from multiple angles, from multiple sources, from multiple people. That's the power of brainwashing right there. That's it. And that's just one example. That's just one teeny example. And if that one example is hard for you to swallow, I'm sorry, you have more reading to do. You two have been brainwashed. We all have. We all have. If you've been through the K-12 school system, we've all been brainwashed on a variety of subjects, including the very ground on which we walk. That's a problem. If you can lie to somebody about where they live and where they walk, you can lie to them about anything. And that's a big deal. So again, running for school board, great. Or... You could sit back, pull your child out, teach them the truth, you have to learn it first as a parent, and then you can watch the entire system crumble because that's what's happening right now. The system is crumbling, it's falling to the ground the The, the house of cards can only can only last so long. the lies can only last so long, and that's what we're watching right now. We're watching a complete crumbling of the entire system, so again. I'm not saying don't run for school board, you can, go for it. I encourage you to. Because again, you've got to get rid of these tyrants. You have to get them out of your town. You have to run them out of town. Just like in the old west, in the old western movies, you got to run these criminals out of town. It's the only way. And you can do that. But you know, it takes it clearly takes effort and there's some organizing that has to take place and, you know, this is this is a it, it can be a difficult thing. But what I also cautioned them about was this, and this was kind of the last thing I said. I said, and they agreed with me. I mean, they got back to me and they said, I think you're absolutely right, 100%. That was their response. And I said, don't expect even the freedom-fighting parents to, to applaud you or, or support you 100%. I said, they're not going to. Even they have limited knowledge on, on the bigger picture and the truth don't don't expect open arms from all of these people i said you're not going to get it if you're going to if you're going to be on a soapbox and you're going to tell the truth even even the freedom lovers are going to say wait a minute i disagree with that i don't i don't i don't like what that person said i you know blah 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 but again they've got to ask themselves well what do they want do do they want the same old tyranny that they've always had or do they want Someone who basically wants to remind the entire citizenry that school boards themselves don't even have to exist. Because that's important. Because they don't have to exist. And as far as, you know, how to do the job, I mean, that was one of their, you know, that was one of their concerns. I, I, I don't know how to do the job. The fact is, is you don't have to know how to do the job because the job shouldn't even be a job. It shouldn't even be a position that exists. So th- if you think about it philosophically from that point of view, you actually have the easiest job in the world because all you have to do is nothing all you have to do is remove people fire people get rid of get get rid of the criminals that have been wasting the money stop wasting taxpayer money make sure that teachers are paid make sure that employees are paid that's done through payroll and an accountant and then that's it you show up you learn the word no you say no constantly you make your your board meetings as short as humanly possible you invite the entire public you record them you put them out there you do all of that and then that's it that's it you remind teachers that it's their job to teach but my god they've got to teach the truth or else they're just brainwashing people and and I'll tell you that, that again <laughs> that's that's a really diff- difficult card Card for to, you know to get teachers to play because if they don't know they've been brainwashed then uh, that's that's a difficult thing. So let me play this next audio because this is really good and again this is an example of something that I'd like to hear more from American teachers. I'm hearing a lot of it from foreign teachers in the UK and Australia and in France and lots of other places, but I'm not hearing enough of this in in American uh, in American schools. From American teachers. We're hearing this from a lot of American nurses, but we're not hearing it from American teachers. So here's about a five-minute clip of a guy in the UK who is a former school teacher, uh, and he's resigned and quit because of the mandatory mask wearing for children. He sees it for what it is. I've said it in the past regarding myself. If I was still a school teacher, which I wasn't going to be, God pulled my card on being a school teacher a long time ago, and I thank him for it every single day. Um, th- the fact is, is that we need to hear more of this from school teachers because this guy is awake. He gets it, he understands that, that the mask wearing is abuse. And like I said, if, if I was gonna still be a school teacher, um, this would have been the end for me. There's no way I would have tolerated any of this, not, a, not at all it of course wouldn't have helped that I was a health education teacher and I taught anatomy and physiology. I mean, I, I know the ridiculousness of everything that's happening just from that standpoint, but even that doesn't matter because there's a lot of health educators and, and anatomy and physiology teachers that are fully brainwashed and they think all this is a hundred percent real. That viruses travel through the air and we can breathe them in. It's absurd, but this guy's got his head on straight. So give this a listen.
3: Hi there, everybody. Um, I was a teacher um, and I want to talk to you today about why I've just resigned as of today um, being a high school teacher in the UK. First of all, I want to tell you, um, well, to say something really, and that's in loco parentis, which means in place of the parent, a legal duty and responsibility as a teacher to look after your kids. That's what I'm there for. Seeing this mask mandate, seeing children being ostracised because they don't want to wear a mask or they don't feel comfortable having a experimental vaccine pushed upon them. They're getting branded as... I guess, evil or, or, or branded as not actually being part of society, not doing your bit. I can't be part of that. And I refuse to be part of that. I have a moral responsibility to care for my students. And I can't do that anymore. Because I'm being asked to do things that go against everything that I am, not as a teacher, but as a human being. There's absolutely zero evidence that the masks help within a school setting. To start with, children are very, very, very unlikely to spread or to catch corona. So why are we doing this in schools? I don't know. I can't teach. How do I relay my emotions? How do I relay my my expectations as a teacher if they can't see my facial expressions? I don't understand how we're expected to. Move ourselves forward. As a race of people, if we can't even smile at somebody. We're in the height of summer right now. And we've had our so-called Freedom Day pushed back another four weeks. I would check out Charles Walker MP. because he was saying exactly the same thing I'm about to say now, and that was that if we're being pushed back in the height of summer when the figures are at their lowest, what's going to happen this winter? I really hope I'm wrong right now, but I think in winter we're going to see a return of rolling lockdowns. We're going to see a return of remote schooling, possibly. We're going to see mask mandates coming in and out. This isn't fair. I can't be part of this anymore. And that's why I'm resigning as a teacher, because I can't do my job properly. I can't see children In emotional pain every day because they've got to wear this mask across their face. They've got to isolate in a bubble. Yes, it was fun for them to start with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of days off here. I have a couple of days off there. Then they had days off indefinitely where they had to do remote learning. Now lots of schools have rolled out remote learning, but it's still just nowhere near the same as teaching in the classroom. People would unplug, people would be sat still in their bed, sort of just watching what we were doing. People wouldn't engage, people would try their best to engage and really make a good effort of it. But it wasn't the same. I'm not telling people to resign as teachers. Lots of you are very resilient and able to do lots and lots of wonderful things. But what I want you to say to yourself is, can I continue to facilitate my role as a teacher in loco parentis in this way? I'm resigning as a teacher secondary school in the UK because of what has happened. We have lost freedom, we have lost liberty. We have lost the decency of being human to one another. Stop wearing the masks. Stop agreeing and fight. For your right and independence.
0: Again, just a couple of things here. I, I understand his point of view on in place of parent, quote unquote. I don't think he's implying that teachers should be parents. I certainly don't think that whatsoever. Uh, they have no; they're not parents, and that's not their job. Their job is to teach the truth, make them literate, uh, fluent in a variety of subjects, and then do it with the next. You know, do it with the next, their next student and, and hopefully teach them to think. Cause ultimately that's kind of the point. Uh, you know, in the words of Socrates, you can't teach them anything, just you, you need to encourage them to think as an individual. Um, but I, but I get his point of view because again, there are countless parents who are blindly sending their children to school, jabbed to the bone, covered in masks, and, uh, and they themselves either don't see a way out or don't irrationalize it in their own head as not being that big of a deal. But this guy, of course, knows that it's a big deal and knows how problematic it is and how the research on on facial expressions and nonverbal communication is a, is a big component of teaching and learning and information retention and XYZ and, and maturity, human maturity. So, Yeah, there you go. But, I mean, again, there's a morally sound individual, and if you don't have a moral code, then what do you have? Because with the the absence of a moral code of any kind, regardless of the situation in one's life, you have nothing. And you'll fall for anything. So uh, I'm sure some famous people said that long before me, but there you go. I've got two more audio clips here that I want to play. One is from a nurse describing the hospital where she works and how the hospital administrators have essentially told them that uh, the lockdowns are coming, that they're going to come this month, they're coming again, there's going to be another push, another wave, so to speak. I'm using finger quotes because, again, the only people that are getting sick are the jabbed. But what they're doing here is they're ramping this up again, because again, here we are at the beginning of the school year, so to speak, and uh, it's go time. Time to turn everybody crazy again, and it's time to lie to everybody again and manipulate everybody again. The question now is, is how many people are actually going to fall for it? Unfortunately, I think lots are going to fall for it. And I have a couple of stories at the end that uh, I want to bring up, one in particular where Certain businesses are already falling for it, and they're already starting to receive such emails that are saying, hey, look, there's more variants out there. we got to watch out. Ladies and gentlemen, the only next variant is more stupidity. The only variant that's taking place right now are the jabbed are becoming deathly ill. That's what's happening, and we're not really even into cold and flu season, so to speak. And these jabbed people are going to line up for the flu shots, and they're going to become really ill and hospitalized, and they're going to wonder Why? Because they're filling themselves with poison. And they think what? I mean, what do they actually think is going to happen? So give this a listen.
2: I work for a large hospital system in Broward County, Florida, on the anesthesia team. Last night, the house nurse manager came to my department and told us that we must prepare for a COVID crisis that's going to start next week. And they're going, the hospital will be taking part of our recovery unit, anesthesia recovery unit to house COVID patients. And that we should, that we cannot allow surgical patients families to come visit them which we do pre and post surgery pre and post anesthesia and i looked at her and i said how do you know we're going you're going to need our our rooms our bays and how do you know there's going to be a crisis next week she tilted down her glasses she looked at me and she said, you know what's going on by now. And I said, yeah, I do. And everyone else just went, oh, here we go again and shrugged their shoulders. Does anyone else find this really strange besides me? It's about time that this whole corrupted, stinking system is brought down, seriously.
0: So briefly here, let's go over what's happening in the next 10 days. On August 11th, there's going to be an emergency broadcast system out on everybody's cell phones again. They're going to say it's a test. It's supposed to be a test. It's already happened. I remember bringing that up, hearing about that for the very first time, back the first time when it happened. And months before it happened, I remember telling family members, and they were like, whatever. Whatever you're a conspiracy theorist, whatever, no, it happened and 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 again, it was in one ear and out the other. They didn't even think about it. They didn't even think to say, "Hey, Sean told us about this, but uh and he knew about it way before we did. Wow, what else does he know way before you know way before we find out because we're glued to the television, and we just do what the TV says. So that's going to happen. I mean, that's already out there. Even FEMA has put that out, and I don't like FEMA at all, but that's what FEMA has said, and they've put that out, and that's even hit mainstream. They're not talking about it uh, frequently in the old mainstream, but it's going to happen, and that's on August 11th. And then, of course, you've got more audit information coming out uh, around the exact same time. There's just a number of different things that are all happening at the exact same time. So what do they have to do? They have to use the variant fake story in order to distract people from the truth of what's really going on regarding the election and the jab dying and becoming deathly ill and the jab being hospitalized and and XYZ. So that's going to happen here in the next 10 days or so. I'm still going to be here. Again, I mentioned the thing about, you know, the rumor about uh, internet shutdown and that being a thing. I've, I've already said that schools are going to be closed again. I've already brought this up, so I'm not going to repeat myself too much on that because you can go back and listen to any episode where I've brought that up, and I've been saying it consistently because, again, it doesn't require a Ouija board, chicken bones, and tea leaves to figure this out. It's pretty straightforward. Their plan is predictable. Predictable. The tyrannical globalist plan here is is about as predictable as it can possibly get. So yeah, keep the drugs out of your body, homeschool, um, and 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 keep reading and keep learning. I mean that's that's what's got to happen. It just has to happen. Uh, here, here's another piece of quick little audio that I wanted to play, and this is a converse, a quick little conversation here, just a clip between Mike Adams, who has his own show. And an Ohio lawyer, which I've brought up and played his audio in the past too, uh, by the name of Thomas Rentz, and he's suing a number of different individuals regarding these mask mandates and the and the forced jabs and you name it. Um, but listen to what the two of them talk about and listen to what uh, Thomas Rentz says.
4: The reason the administration and the governments around the world are accelerating their, their push for mass vaccination right now is because they know the window of um, of obedience will be slammed shut the minute the wave of post-vaccination deaths really kicks in, which many people believe in the northern hemisphere will happen during the flu season, uh, January, February of next year. But that's just a guess. Nobody knows for sure. Yes, on a lot of that. I don't know. I can't. I don't have any smoking gun evidence I can prove uh, I can use for the depopulation theory, but what I can tell you is this: I agree wholeheartedly that you know there is a window, and once all the vaccinated people start dying, there's going to be you can only cover this up so long, right? So my my scientists are telling me that they think that the true number of vaccinated in America is around thirty percent. That low. Yeah, that, we can't find any data supporting a higher number than that. I mean, if they've got it, they're hiding it. And, you know, maybe they do. We can't prove that. But just based on the data we've seen, it looks to be around that 30% number. So what's going to happen this fall when cold and flu season? Well, everybody's going to get re-exposed. Everybody's going to start dying. Uh, but it's only going to be the people who are vaccinated. Well, it, when you, no matter how much they covered up in the media, when everyone that you talk to, hey, your cousin's in the, in the hospital dying from COVID, wasn't he vaccinated? Yeah. You weren't vaccinated. Why are you okay? Because I wasn't vaccinated. Eventually this is going to come out, right? This was always the plan for the fall, right? I've been talking for a while. We'll see this vaccine variant really rearing its head in the fall. They're going to try and say it's a new, more dangerous variant. It's not. It's just a vaccine. Um, and they're going to lie about it and try and scare people into submission. I got a whole bunch more coming in the near future. My team has a ton more. And by the way, I'm not suicidal. I love life. So, you know, P.S., if you Epstein me, please investigate. Um, and, you know, they can't keep this covered up forever. It's going to come down. And as it does, your heads are going to roll. And they're just hoping they can get this in as many arms as possible ahead of time.
0: Again, I've brought up that number 30% before. I'm not, I'm not really trying to bring this back to me, although I know it sounds like that from time to time, so my apologies, but I've, I've, I've brought that up before, and if you just take that number and you throw it into a school building, one single school building, that's again, we're, we're assuming 30%, so to speak, that's roughly one out of three people who work inside of a school building have been jabbed. Now, we also know that that's not just indicative in one particular environment. So theoretically, a person could say you have at least 50%, maybe upwards of 60 to 70% plus within school buildings that have been jabbed because we know how they follow the leader. We know how they go along to get along. On a constant basis, it's come over here and then they all just move and then it's come over there, you know, go over there and then they just all move as teachers or as administrators. So if you have one third of the population in a school building absent because they're either death, you know, death, because they're either dead or they're ill or they can't go to work because they've been jabbed. Uh, And and now they're coming in contact with lots of different people and their immune system is overreacting and creating that cytokine storm, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, within their own immune system. The the building can't stay open. It's basic math. They can't stay open and they're not going to be able to get enough substitutes to fill in and they're going to have to close and they're going to have to go back to virtual learning and they're going to have to do that. But it's going to be because of the jabbed. It's going to be because of the individuals who have taken these jabs. That's it. That's it. That's where we are now. But it's going to be higher than that number in school buildings because of the number of individuals in those environments that have taken them. And even those in those environments that have quote-unquote been forced to take them. They were not forced. they They chose to do it. They chose to take it or they were brainwashed into taking it so that they could keep their job and whatever else. I'm telling you what, um, that's, that's it. I mean, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. And now you're hearing it from him, which is again, not, not uncommon because he too testified in front of the Ohio state Senate alongside, um, either before or after Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. So that was, that was the thing right there. Uh, Okay, two last things I want to bring up related without a doubt. The first thing was on our drive back to back to Ohio from Texas and even from Ohio to Texas, I have to tell you, I haven't been through the West like that uh, since I left Texas in 1985. As you would expect, a lot's changed. The thing that is undeniable from a visual standpoint, are the 5G towers. They're everywhere. And I mean everywhere. They're brand new. They're everywhere. And it's alarming. One of them was very alarming. And it was on the way back that I noticed it because, again, it was on my side of the automobile and I I saw it this time. There was a 5G tower in Kentucky that was right next to the front door of a high school. So I'm going to try to paint the picture here. <clears throat> Excuse me i 'm on a highway. I look to my right, and below the overpass is a high school it 's about a hundred yards away. Give or take, and the high school is approximately one story tall, maybe two stories in a couple of sections. the five g tower wasn 't any taller than the high school itself, so the 5G antenna apparatus portions, those long vertical, tri- uh, rectangular-looking rigs, it was right next to the building. I mean, it was right. It was right there. It was right next to the windows. It was right next to the front door. The parking lot was to the left of the 5G tower, and it was more like a 5G pole. It wasn't, you know, a big radio tower, 5G tower that that you'll see out, out in the distance or wherever. But it was far shorter. And like I said, just closer to the ground. It wasn't that tall, but it was big, like around big. And, uh, and the band was practicing. The high school band was, was outside practicing in the heats and right next to the 5G tower with their, with their instruments. It was absurd. It was alarming that, that school districts are not, are not looking into what 5G is doing to people. It's killing insects. It's killing birds, and it's hurting people, and probably killing them too. Uh, it's it's awful. But even the administrators and teachers aren't don't know about this, and even they aren't figuring this out. I mean, I'm I'm certain lots do, but to invite something like that in to your building or anywhere near your building is um, very very alarming. And this was sort of what I would call a bit of an inner city kind of school. But again, it doesn't matter. It was just, it was still awful. And the proximity of the tower to the school building, I mean, we're talking about a couple of feet from the front door and that's not an exaggeration. It was that close. Here's the last observation that I made as soon as I got back into town. I went to AutoZone uh, to pick up some car wax. A week ago, before I left, I was at an auto zone. No one was wearing masks. The plexiglass was still up, unfortunately, but no one was wearing gloves. No one was wearing masks. Everybody was walking around without masks. Everybody was fine. I get back into town. Instead of there being two employees in the place, there were at least five or six employees. All of them were masked to the bone. All of them now and one kid was running around with the blue mask on squirting and wiping down things feverishly and furiously as soon as a customer had done had been done using you know the credit card keypad it was absurd it was absolutely absurd. And so I said to myself, well, I'm going to do some recon around the town. And this is a university town. It's, theor- it's technically a city based on the population, but in particular when students are here. But uh, I'm just going to do some recon around town. And I did. And no one's really masked up. Uh, th- there weren't signs on doors that said, you got to wear a mask. It-, it, wasn't, it wasn't absurd quite like it used to be. And, and even city council had signs through Main Street uh, or through High Street, right, right up in the uptown area, so to speak. That I mean, back in the day, they were flashing signs saying, "Put on your mask, save a life." You know, socially distance, be careful, you might kill somebody. I mean, it was it was they didn't say that, but I mean, it was nuts. They really had those automated signs flashing some really absurd, uh, absurd messages. Then I went to Walmart to see what they were doing. Just walked around. They have a sign outside of this Walmart that says, it's in front of both doors. It says, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're unvaccinated, you have to wear a mask. I walked in, and this time, the employees were all wearing masks. So apparently that's Walmart policy now, is that regardless of your false status one way or another. You you still have to wear a mask now again if you're an employee, because of course what was funny was they got jabbed so they wouldn't have to wear the mask because that's what they were told, and now they've been jabbed, now they have to go back to wearing the mask. It's awful. At, at the very least, what this Walmart has done is they've taken up all their social distancing stickers and their arrows saying, you need to walk this way, you need to walk that way. They still have the um, the cameras in the aisles that will, with the small little TV screens that will beep furiously if you walk in. It says, you know, you're being recorded, you're being recorded. I mean, honest to God, it's a security state if I've ever seen one. But uh, so that's happening. Then um, w- uh, looked around a local, the local Kroger's. No difference there. N- no real difference. O- o- only a couple of employees are, are masked up, and that's about it. Everybody else, not not the case. I have a feeling that in the future, something's going to happen here where they're all going to revert back to the way that things were. Um, again. My rationing for that, or reasoning for that, is is pretty straightforward. And you've heard me say it: the card has been played already. They've already played that card, and so have schools. So again, to bring this back to the schooling thing, buckle up for the online learning again. School boards are going to say they're not doing that. That's not going to happen. But keep in mind who they take their orders from. They take their orders from their health departments. Who takes their? Who takes the orders from health? Or you know, the health departments take orders from who? The CDC. And then, of course, who gives the CDC orders? The cabal and the White House and and all of that. So this will happen again. It's going to happen again, I think. Um, I hope it doesn't, but as the saying goes, you can hope in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first. So there you have it. Uh, Keep paying attention. Again, head on a swivel here. Um, I'll catch you Wednesday. There's certainly going to be a lot that's going on, and it's again, it's going to happen a whole lot quicker here in a, in a shorter amount of time. So, lots to pay attention to. Still, it's not, it's not over. But uh, don't comply. Just continue to not comply. That's the best thing that we can do. And it's not fear mongering, ladies and gentlemen. It's not fear mongering. It's called vigilance because we're at war, and it's vigilance in wartime. And that's a preparatory thing that needs to take place. So keep it up. If you're listening to this, I'm certain you're doing a great job. I'm positive of that. Um, I don't like that saying, you know, we're all in this together. Because that's what they said with the COVID nonsense. But uh, us patriots, we are certainly in this together. And we've got to stick together without a doubt. So I'll catch you on Wednesday. God bless and take care.